You're listening to episode number 26 of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today's special guests are Dr. Wilma Powell Stewart from University of South Alabama College of Nursing and Dr. Bridget Moore from the University of South Alabama Children's and Women's Hospital. We're going to have an informative conversation with these two on the role of empathy and leadership in the patient satisfaction, clinician satisfaction polarity. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics. It's Tracy and Michelle. Welcome to another great episode of our podcast. And today we have another partnership team that we interviewed. Yeah, it was really fun. You it know, was. these are uh, a couple of ladies that we didn't know before, and uh, but we're getting to know them. It's kind of fun to uh, you know to connect with them. We're kindred spirits. They're a I lot like so. us. Yeah, I think so. So you learn our story, how we discovered. Uh, some um, important and significant work that they're doing. And we reached out and we found out we had a lot in common. And uh, we really enjoyed our interview with them and the work that they're doing with leadership and empathy and really how polarity thinking has been a gift for them and their yeah. work. Yeah, it's really exciting to see. And you're going you're gonna to like them and enjoy their message too. So do you want to uh, begin uh, with introducing Absolutely. our guests? Absolutely. So I'm going to start out with Dr. Wilma Powell-Stewart, and Wilma received her bachelor's in nursing from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, and then she achieved her doctorate in nursing in 2007 at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And for the last three years, she's been an assistant professor at the College of Nursing at the University of South Alabama, where she also serves as the coordinator for their Doctor of Nursing Practice, or DNP, Executive Nurse Administration track. But she has had incredible experience in the field, in the C-suite, as Chief Nursing Officer, Chief Operating Officer, Chief Executive Officer at hospitals all throughout Texas and Alabama for the past 30 years, so a lot of experience she brings to the table. Wilma is also a member of the American Nursing Association, or ANA, and the American Organization Nurse Leader, formerly AONE, now AONLs. We're all getting used to that. Um, she's also an executive member of the Texas Nurses Association and Texas Organization of Nurse Execs. She has written and presented on the topic of empathy and leadership, and Dr. Stewart resides in San Angelo, Texas. Wow. That's all I got to say. Wow. <laughs> she's a walking polarity. She, she's a walking practice and education polarity. She is. Right. So I get the privilege to introduce you to Dr. Bridget Moore. Now, Dr. Moore received her... BSN, 
her MBA, her MSN, and her DMP degrees from the University of South Alabama. Now, these are some educated women. Yes. <laughs> her areas of specialty are healthcare leadership and high-risk neonatal care. Dr. Moore has served as an instructor and assistant professor at the University of South Alabama as well. She is currently the NICU, Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, nurse educator at the University of South Alabama Children's and Women's Hospital. And Dr. Moore is also a member of ANA and AONL <laughs> at national and state levels. In addition, she's the past president of the Alabama State Nurse Association. She's written and presented on the topics of neonatal care, team-based learning, shared governance, ethics and leadership, and empathy, just to name a few. Uh, and she resides in Mobile, Alabama. So without further ado, here's Wilma and Bridget. Well, hi, Wilma and Bridget. Welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are. Good, good. Well, you know, I was so excited when I found your article and saw that you were partners, one, Mm -hmm. right? Partners, what we would call partners in crime. (laughs) (laughs) But that you had a passion for empathy, which I do as well, Mm -hmm. and Michelle does too. Mm -hmm. But then also the world of polarities. We were so excited. Yes, Tracy sent me the article and said, you have to find these women. (laughs) And we did. (laughs) So we're just really, you know, kind of kindred spirits. And uh, we just, you know, we like to start out with a little banter so our audience kind of gets to just know you. And uh, so we know you have a great partnership like the two of us. And so we thought maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about how you met, what makes your relationship kind of tick, what makes it special for you. And either one of you can start. Okay. Um, Well, Wilma and I worked together as assistant professors at the University of South Alabama College of Nursing in the nurse exec program. And we realized the more we talked, our similarities and that we had um, loves that were similar, including the love of empathy and um, taking on that perspective beyond just trying to feel what another person has, but listening with the heart Um, and how that not only pers- on a personal level, but on a professional level, if we could get that across to some of our students, it would help them as they tried to relate to those that they worked with um, throughout their careers and their patients. And I'll just add a note that I think uh, sometimes we're drawn to the passion that we need. And there are a lot of times that we write, remind each other that we're studying empathy here. So, you know, <laughs> we need to uh, tune up our empathy because I think it's always a challenge sometimes in stressful situations to remember to see the perspective of the other person. So, uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of give and take between us for reminding each other to that this is a good opportunity for us to work on that skill. (laughs) Well, it's always good to have a great partner to help you do that. We do the same thing with polarity. So yeah, (laughs) we do. Oh yes. Uh, We're supposed to be leveraging this. (laughs) 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 Well, I think though, you guys also have a little yin and yang going between the two of you, right? Like Michelle and I, like you're kind of opposites. Is that true? Definitely. I think we complement each other, but we do see a lot of the things similarly. 
similarly. <laughs> Say that three but, times. Um, Wilma, Wilma is definitely, um, she's a go-getter and um, she makes such a difference in everything that she touches. And I admire that so much about her. She's got so much to give, um, so much knowledge, so much experience. And um, I admire all that she does day to day and with her students and with her colleagues. That's very kind of Bridget. We are a little opposite in that um, sometimes the chaos that I can leave behind uh, after I've touched it, uh, Bridget has a natural knack for kind of pulling it together, cleaning it up, organizing it, uh, you know, just kind of bringing some balance to the chaos. So, yeah, we make a good match. Uh, I may start it, but she's the one that ices the cake. So, yeah. <laughs> We, we pull it together and we have a good looking cake when we finish. But. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true for us, too. I was going to say, that doesn't sound familiar, does it, Tracy? Oh, very familiar. <laughs> very familiar. Well, speaking of polarities, we were, again, so excited to see that you had, had written about it. And uh, so, Wilma, I'm going to start out with you. I'm curious, where did you first learn about polarity thinking? Well, I had had been working with Bridget for, I guess, about a year. And I, I attended a workshop in Texas from the Texas Nurses Association. And Bonnie uh, Wieserich was presenting a workshop on polarity thinking, which I really didn't have any idea what it was. But I went because I went always when they hold this particular workshop. And I, I was just a convert. It clicked. I realized that I had spent my entire career trying to solve problems and being so frustrated when I couldn't solve them. Each time I thought I had it solved, you know, a month or two down the road, here was a different piece of it. And no one wants to not solve problems. But when you realize finally that they're not problems, that they're polarities, that there will always be that tension, that I needed to seek balance. I mean, I was like, oh, my goodness, it was a gift. I was just so I came home and I told Bridget and Bridget was like, oh, wow. And so we immediately started reading and learning and absorbing. And we found a fit mm -hmm. for our work. So that's my background with it. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And um, that that is not an uncommon experience because it's not out there in the literature yet. Uh, it's not... Like problem solving, we were trained to be problem solvers. So to have that different perspective, it is a gift. And, you know, I think the other thing for me, it helped me realize we're still save, trying to solve the same problems decades later. And this really sheds a light on some of those mm -hmm. long-term chronic issues in healthcare. Yeah. And I know when I go to workshops like that and I learn something so new, right? It like opens your eyes and then it, it's so exciting, but then to be able to connect it to something that you're already passionate about, you know, like that's just the double win, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So good for you guys. Now, Bridget, tell us a little bit about the work you and Wilma have done around empathy and why that's, you know, such a critical competency for healthcare leaders. Okay. Um, early 2018, well, women I started talking about it in 2017, but in 2018, um, we conducted a study. We had been through the literature, and there's a lot of information about empathy for the patient and um, empathy um, for those that we care for, but there's not much about the people that take care of the patient. 
Um, so we decided that we would look at nurses' perception of their leader's empathy. And we found a tool, um, the Barrett Leonard Relationship Inventory, um, Others to Self, Employee, um, Others to Self. We use that tool. It's a 24-item tool. Um, Twelve of the items are used to measure um, the person's perceived empathy of the person that they're referring to. And the other 12 are just um, put in by the author to um, by the tool developer. We also added two qualitative questions um, to the survey in addition to the um, quantitative information that we gathered. And we asked people to describe the behaviors that represent the presence of empathy from their leader and describe the behaviors that represent the absence of empathy from their leader. Mm -hmm. And we got over 500 responses. Um, the people, we, we sought to have nurses that were licensed in any of the areas um, recognized by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. And they had to have been active in practice in the last 24 months. They could be part-time or full-time in any role in nursing, from chief nursing officer to bedside nurse to someone in the offices, any type of nurse. We wanted to know the person they identified as their leader how they felt that person's empathy was, um, or did they sense empathy, and what did they sense as empathy? What actions were seen as empathetic? And we found a good bit of information, a lot we expected, and some things that we didn't expect. Um, in a nutshell, we can say that the person wants to be heard. The nurse um, didn't necessarily want the leader to give them an answer to fix things, but they wanted to know that they were understood and um, seen and appreciated their experience. And Wilma, I'll let you tack onto that if I have I missed some major parts of our. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you've covered it well. Oh, yeah, well, I can certainly relate to that. I know yeah. there's a lot of times, right, where you just want to share. And you don't need a fix, mm -mm. you know, you really don't need somebody to take care of it, but you want to have that feeling of being heard, mm -hmm. right? So important. We heard um, a lot of people, you know, technology, we don't realize, but they felt it robbed them of their time with their leader, looking at their phone, looking at their computer when they were trying to interact with them. And it's things that we maybe don't think about because we're all constantly, you know, checking our messages and it may be related to work. But it, the perception of the nurses was that, you know, the leader was not paying attention or not um, hearing what they had to say. Yeah. Have you have you ever heard of empathy mapping? It's okay if you haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little, I, I was just thinking about this today because it was this little, um, you know, it's like a little book of, you know, exercises that you can do in groups, right? And we used to do empathy mapping and we would work with healthcare clinicians. And when you said technology, it really struck me because they were implementing the electronic health record and we would have them do these little empathy maps. And basically we just drew the picture like a face, somebody's face. And we would say, what do you think this person, like the leader or the clinician, what, is, what are they thinking? What are they seeing? What are they hearing? What are they feeling? What are they doing? And it was just kind of a way to bring, have people have empathy for those that they were going to teach or those they were going to be engaging with, right? To um, just kind of step into their shoes, right? And to hear them 
Uh, and to kind of try to gain a sense of mm-hmm. what that person might be experiencing. I just wondered if you had heard of it. It was just a little tool that we used to use, and I found it really enlightening. I mean, the groups were really learned a lot from that. So. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like an interesting tool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was just kind of fun, you know. It was. It just mm-hmm. really got to the heart of right. what people right. were going to experience as they were going into this transition and open them up to that. Um well, tell me a little bit about like what 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 did you see, Wilma, when you went to the you know to the uh, workshop and you you knew that you had this passion around empathy and then you learned about polarity. Where did you see that connection between the two? How did how did that come to light for you? We had worked some with empathy before I attended the polarity thinking workshop, so we already had that interest. And when I came back with the polarity thinking, we started talking about it and we said, you know, we were familiar with the work that Dr. Bodenheimer had published on the fourth aim. You know, we, we all work on the triple aim and, uh, you know, trying to focus on the patient experience, not patient satisfaction. Although I think that nationally we have a major focus on satisfaction as opposed to the patient experience. But beyond that, as that accelerated, uh, there was an article published that uh, brought up the need for the fourth thing to focus on the needs of the staff. And then a couple of years ago, the critical care associations grouped together and they put out a call for action saying that burnout syndrome and some of the focus on areas outside the staff needed to be addressed, that the need was urgent for physicians, for nurses, for all healthcare workers, not just critical care, but certainly in the critical care areas. So so we knew there was the undercurrent of needs to address staff needs. And yet we had a national focus on published uh, patient satisfaction scores that were being translated to mean the patient experience. And and again, I, I don't think those were ever intended to be equated, but they have become so. And so we started looking at empathy and how it fit, and we felt like it was something of a mediator in between those things, that if you could empathetically understand the needs of staff, and and a lot of work had been done on empathy and understanding uh, how we communicate with patients. Are we empathetic? What, What is perceived to be more empathetic? Most of the studies in the work that we were finding focused on how we as caregivers could come across in a more empathetic way. But there was very little work on how we as leaders, and of course our focus is in executive nurse administration, how we could come across with more empathy. And then, you know, I kept seeing student papers come in, and I think that there were a couple of of layers to this. One, my experience as a chief nursing officer was always uh, bothered by how do you communicate to the staff that you care? Do they know you care? Uh, Because you're balancing these polarities and and you worry that the polarities, which you don't even know are polarities, of course, because you haven't (laughs) gone to workshop yet. But But if you knew. (laughs) But but you know that, you know, the focus is not maybe quite balanced. Mm -hmm. And so you're worried about whether you are reaching what you want to reach in a way that you want to reach. Then I kept reading student papers in organizational analysis and reading about uh, culture 
And the comments, and I've seen this comment so many times, is they don't care. They just don't care. And I think they do care. I really believe nurse leaders in this country care about nurses. I, I don't have one misgiving about that. But I don't know that nurses perceive that they care. Mm -hmm. So as we looked at these and realized that we think there was opportunity between the polarities based on the fourth aim, based on the call to action, uh, we decided we needed to understand better if our suspicion that nurses perceived that leaders might not be empathetic in their communication was valid or not. And that's kind of triggered the work that we did. And then initially we started out by looking at a relationship, just discussing empathy as it related to polarity theory. Then we dive deeper into understanding nurse perceptions of leader empathy. Mm -hmm. A long story for a short answer. No, yeah. <laughs> no it's great. That's it's all really... about the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, so, um, and that's exactly what you did and why we got so excited when we found your article. And for our listeners, the um, article that Wilma and Bridget co-authored is called Communicating with Empathy in a World of Polarity Conflict. And it was published in Nursing Management. And uh, we're going to have a uh, reference in our show notes. And uh, that's exactly what they did. They really tied the role of empathy and leadership together, but then actually went down um, calling out the specific polarity of patient satisfaction and staff satisfaction, which I think is helpful because it provides it not so much around a theory, but around a crux polarity that there needs to be empathy from patient uh, to clinician, you know, clinician and from, and all from the, so from the staff perspective. And I think your what your comments on leadership is that an action step for staff to be satisfied is that their leaders listen to them right or demonstrate right demonstrate yeah. that um, empathy right uh, in some way that they can recognize it. I think you know what I heard you saying is like the leaders probably are empathetic, but maybe it's just the way that they're showing that or they're not showing it in a way that it can be received or recognized that they're empathetic. Is that right? You know, that's right. And I was surprised as I read the open-ended questions in our study, because we did have 536 completed surveys. We had 704 so submitted, but didn't answer all the questions. And uh, we're very grateful for all that participated, but 536 complete with open-ended questions is a lot of information. And the thing that, that I realized is that some of the evolution of technology has created a barrier that we're probably not sensitive to that we don't realize that looking at the phone translates to uh, you don't hear me or you're not listening to me. And I, I don't think we had many that asked for things that uh, were, were financial in nature. They, they ask for things like some of our time, eye contact, put the phone down. Uh, we know your messages are important, but I'm important too. You know, just those pieces. Uh, I found it interesting because I'm sure, without a doubt, I'm guilty. Yes. So as I read that, you're kind of thinking, oh, where did I put my phone when I went down the hall? But uh, it could easily have been in my hand. Yeah, Tracy and I, um, in our polarity thinking um, education that we do, we actually teach the principles of dialogue. 
And one of them is listening. One, you know, one of the, one of the principles is listening and really listening. And we have some exercises that we do that uh, people just love because it illustrates very quickly. You may think you're listening, but you're really not listening. And such, and we, it's such a critical skill with polarities too, because to uncover them, just like with empathy, you have to be aware and you have to know the right questions to ask, and you have to have those listening skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, and you don't always know how you're being perceived. Yep. Right. So it, it is, um, you know, it's, it's a reciprocal relationship, right? And I think too, um, you know, while the person may be looking at their phone or not giving the attention, it's also about asking for that. Right. It, it's it's the giving and the receiving. And it's mm-hmm. not being afraid to say, you know, I, I have the feeling that you're not looking at, you know, you're not paying attention to me because you're not looking at me. Could could I have your attention, please? You know, I know when I would have to turn my back to a patient or something. Right. Or be doing something. I always, always say, if you ever at any point feel like I'm not giving you the attention that you need or giving you, you know what, just tell me. Right. Because I, I may not know. And I think sometimes yeah. we just got to open ourselves up to. To ask the question or? It, re- it reminds me of a nurse manager who popped in my office many years ago and she said, uh, do you have a minute? And I said, well, no, not really. And she said, well, then why don't you make one? And, but she needed me yeah. and, and she communicated that no, not really was not a good answer. When she asked, do you have a minute? It really should have translated to, I need to talk to you. Not, no, I don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but she had, she had enough confidence in herself to say what she needed. And I was very grateful for that. Not everyone does, but yeah, that's an important skill. Yeah, it is, right? It is. And sometimes we just don't yeah. feel comfortable yeah. with that. But again, if you are creating an empathetic culture, then maybe that can open the door mm-hmm. for more of that kind of behavior, right? And that kind of reciprocal relationship around empathy to occur. Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we noticed in your article is that you mentioned um, Lou Holtz, uh, you know, <laughs> a great leader, football star, coach, icon, right? Um, and you mentioned him in your article. Can you share a little bit about those three questions and why you brought that forth in the article? I can. I think uh, people who have worked with me in various hospitals, and I've worked in several different hospitals, would tell you right away that uh, I, I am a follower of Lou Holtz, that I just am in awe of his uh, ability to influence a team. I know very little about football, which is so interesting because <laughs> of uh, they, they will all tell you that I will mention Lou Holtz when you're working with me. Uh, somewhere in our group, we'll study what he has to say, do some of his motivational work. But he's not just a motivational speaker. He has outcomes with his teams. And You know, I've not been on his team, so I haven't personally experienced it. But what he teaches and what I hear echo so many times when I'm interacting with nurses is he teaches there are three questions that people ask of you. Uh, Can I trust you? Are you committed? And do you care about me? And the empathy piece goes to the core of do you care about me? And then you know, that translates to the polarities. Do you care about the patients? Do you mm-hmm. care about me? You know, because mm-hmm. they're so interdependent. Mm-hmm. And 
So, yeah, I, I continue to hear the echoing of, do you care about me? When I hear people say they just don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think effective leaders have to communicate that they care. Yeah. Well, I think what's really strikes me when you say that is when we do polarity mapping, one of the things um, that we do is we're looking for early warning signs, right? And a lot of times when, you know, that you're experiencing the downside of uh, one of the poles. And a lot of times in some of these, you know, it's it's uh, what people say. That's kind of the very early signs are you're going to hear people talking, right? Uh, staff, leaders mm-hmm. can be, you know, yep. either. Uh, patients. patients. Um, but that's one of the ones that people come up with often. Like, they don't care, right? Nobody's listening mm-hmm. to me. They don't care about us. Right. All they care is about the money. All they care is about X, Y, Z, right? They don't care about me. And that's one of the first kind of... Um, you know, mm-hmm. signs, early warning signs, people usually write down when they're, when they're mapping their polarities. I, d- I did meet Lou Holtz on a plane once. Oh. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. He's a very wise leader. And, you know, oftentimes we have to look outside our own industry to really get those pearls of wisdom. So I love the fact that you brought that forward in your article. It does fit really well with empathy and polarities. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And then, you know, um, maybe each of you can share just a little bit kind of based on your hospital administration experience and the, you know, and the impact of understanding and managing polarities can have on a leader. Like you're both leaders. You've both been executive roles. Um, what, what do you see is important about this? How can this really help leaders? Okay. Well, when I, I transitioned to my administrative role, I went from working at the bedside for over 20 years. Um, Our hospital was transitioning to the electronic medical record and needed a clinical leader um, to go through the hospital and meet with the different departments and help that transition. So I went from that role into an administrative role. And it was shock to say the least, because you grow up literally in this environment where you're in one unit and that's your world. And you realize there's other units. And there's people beyond nurses in the hospital that you need to function. So I learned quickly, number one, how to deal with different types of people, different temperaments. I had to learn to be empathetic. That's where I learned quickly that um, you don't always know what somebody else has going on in their life. And I learned to cut slack for other people as well as myself because I learned I couldn't do everything at 100%. I wasn't perfect. I wasn't coming out of the gate knowing everything that I needed to know. And I think if I could go back and tell myself, it's okay. If we do take things and put it on a continuum and consider that this end of the polarity and this polarity, these two poles are equally important. And as long as I'm making progression, then I'm doing good. <laughs> I have to get everything on the head and go at a hundred percent and 90 miles an hour the whole time. But you live and learn and it's been valuable experience through the mm-hmm. years, putting those pieces together. Mm-hmm. How about you, Wilma? I think that, um, first of all, I'm, I'm older than Bridget. So I've had more years to, to get these experiences. So You know, I've been on several different senior management teams over the years, and I wish I had understood, as she has commented, if I could go back, you know, I 
I would go back and understand there was balance. I think that uh, there's balance, but there's also transparency. If, if the staff, if you could sit at the table and talk about the balancing, because many organizations are financially strapped and, you know, they're, they're really struggling and then the staff feel not cared about, but if everyone could sit down and help talk through some of these issues and maybe not all the confidential pieces, but the fact that there are real issues and that all those numbers you see probably do not represent the financial income of the facility that day. And that you do have to find balance and give and take. And I think with transparency and an understanding of the give and take of the polarities that I could have done a better job. I, I would like, I don't want to redo, but if I had to redo, that's what I, I would certainly be teaching more about polarities in all honesty, yeah. instead of trying to solve each side. Right. Yeah. I think I think if you bring it down a notch, instead of going that high speed and always aiming for the very top and realizing you were making a difference and you, you were, I'm, certain you were a great leader when you were coming up but you put so much pressure on yourself to to meet everybody's needs well, i think the, it actually flips back to personal life too because we sometimes forget there's a polarity there too we go 100 percent in professional life and we want to be 100 percent in personal life and you know you've got to weigh it there's only so many hours and so much time that you can spend and you have to figure out what's important and how to weigh those two. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Yeah. So that polarity exists as well. And I think you're, what I'm really hearing you talk is that the realization that polarities are managed over time. So that kind of frees you up a little bit. You don't have to solve everything all at once because they are managed over time. And that if you're aware of them, you could sit with staff and have a conversation about the margin mission polarity, patient satisfaction, staff satisfaction, what's their role in it as well. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, it does become that group effort to really address the simultaneous actions and how are you going to measure them and how are you going to know when you get out of balance. And Bridget, when you were talking about moving from a clinician role to administrator role, that's where you really see the local unit and the global system. And there's a lot to manage with that polarity as well. So, Well, and I, I really liked how you talked about the transparency. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I really thought about it in those words before. Um, I do think polarities can make our realities transparent, right? And um, our fears, and, you know, um, I, and I think that's, that's really important because when we can be open to that and we can see uh, the whole picture, right, which is what a polarity map does for you. It helps you to see the whole picture, mm -hmm. right? Then, then you really know what the reality is and you have a much deeper understanding. So it brings that transparency to the organization, right, and to the relationships uh, and what you're trying to achieve, um, so I, I, that's really cool. I like thinking about it that way. So now I told y'all she was wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are too. You are too, Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Bridget is very wise and very calm. She she also <laughs> settle it down. <laughs> so we'd love to hear from you now that you've learned this much. You've actually have put some, you know, some action to it with your further learning and with your article. We'd love to hear how you're applying it maybe in other aspects of your professional or personal life, like you said, Bridget. Um, what are some other ways you may be applying polarities to your work and to your personal life? You want to you go, Wilma? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate at the time that I attended the workshop uh, to be the coordinator for our organizational and system leadership course in the graduate program at our university. And so I came back and in the organizational analysis, I added a section for polarity theory and then integrated information into the course so that certainly uh, the students aren't experts, but they're aware of polarity thinking as a process of evaluating an organization. And I asked them, uh, are the polarities in balance and uh, how is that so or not so on the paper? And uh, they are very insightful with their discussions. And some of them are in organizations where, yeah, they, they really are in balance and they can explain why, or it sounds like they're trying, of course. And then in others, they're not, and they give good examples of why not. So we reach with at least a familiarity of the, of the words, uh, I would estimate maybe 800 students a year or so uh, through all of our sections with this. So I think that that makes a difference in attending a workshop. So Oh, yes. That's fabulous. That's just awesome it to is. hear. Well, I think that it brings them the same gift I received. And that's instead of being so frustrated, maybe you're dealing with polarities and you need to look at where you can bring some balance and appreciate the tension and the give and take and, and stop maybe feeling like you failed mm -hmm. because they will always be there. Mm -hmm. Right. And just how you balance the resources and the give and take, mm -hmm. but there's, there's a gift in that. So I feel like I got to come back and give that gift. So. Oh, that's great. You pay, pay it forward. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying. If I could go back while well, you're giving, you know, you're giving back and that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's definitely touching a lot of our future leaders in healthcare. Um, one of the things looking at our projects, the things we do day to day through the polarity lens is provided an opportunity to move forward, to address pressing issues, um, avoiding the stagnation of analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. There's so much to do. I've got to hit all of it. I've got to meet all of these needs. It gives us the freedom um, to take the precious limited resources, financial, the manpower and time and shift them to where they're needed. Yeah. Um, I've started to apply polarity of thinking to my life, uh, professional and personal, and have made some big life changes recently. And like we've mentioned before, I think that um, had I used it, had I known about it when I was much younger, I probably wouldn't have aged quite as quickly and maybe <laughs> wouldn't have taken off so many years off my life. But we live and learn, and that's part of the process. I'll use it going forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we can relate to that. <laughs> we can. We can. Um, one of the things that um, 
I like to do, and I call it the back of the napkin, is even when I'm out with my you know, kids on a date night, they bring up everyday world polarities they're dealing with, and I just pull out a, pap- a napkin, and I draw a polarity map, and we talk it through, and they're like, mm-hmm. wow. Because <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple concept. Um, as you dig deeper into how to manage it and um, how to look for those early warning uh, signs, it becomes a little bit more complex. But one of the things we love about it is it makes so much sense, you know? Well, I think the other thing, too, is it's that those early warnings, Mm -hmm. right? When you're aware you've got a polarity and you know you need to have, it's never 50-50, right? You're never, like, in balance. It's always dynamic. You're always having to, you know... um, Sometimes you have to give a little more attention one place than another, but you're always in balance, never letting go, right, of either one of the poles. And I think it's just that dance and knowing there's that dance and knowing when you're starting to feel the downside that you have overemphasized something in your life and you need to do a little bit of course correction, you know, or to have good partners, right, that can say, uh, I think you're in the downside. <laughs> a little too focused on work yes. and school. Hello, I'm over here. You know, how about a date night or something, right? <laughs> Always helps to have good partners to, yeah. you know, reel you back in and to yep. help you stay true, um, you know, to that dynamic balance a little bit. So, yeah. Well, it's just been a pleasure to have you ladies on the podcast. Do you have any closing remarks that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would like to just thank you for the opportunity to share our experience, our work on empathy, uh, the relationship to polarity theory, to polarity thinking. Uh, I think that uh, we'd love to share it. So thank you for allowing us. And I, I want to mirror what Wilma said. I appreciate this opportunity and this time to speak with y'all today. Um I just want to share with the people listening to remember that the polarity of um, self and life, sometimes life comes at us so quick, it's difficult to keep our ship steady and just remember that we're all human and we're going through the ride together. And if you map it out, just like you said, (laughs) then you can, all right, let's get it in check. I don't have to be everything to everybody. Yeah. That's oh, right. Great yeah. wise words. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this is Michelle. And the two of you give me excitement and hope. And I can't <laughs> tell you how thrilling it is to uh, meet two uh, people where one of you was exposed to the concept and how you just have naturally embodied it in your work. And, um, and then you're introducing it to students now, which excites Tracy and I so much because we just know this is such a needed skill in healthcare today if we're ever going to have a sustainable healthcare system. So I've, I've just enjoyed meeting you and sharing your work, and I'm so impressed by both of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the same, and I think, you know, it, it uh, makes my heart sing to know that there are people out there that um, when they're exposed, they actually are applying it because that's what we're all about, right? We can learn things, but it's all about the application. And it's all about taking the chance, taking the risk, exploring it. And you've done that. And uh, you're a part of our movement now. Now (laughs) we've got (laughs) you. You know, it's we're all about to meet y'all. Yeah, really starting absolutely, absolutely fun to see another pair who enjoy working together as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. isn't, isn't that great? Awesome. <laughs> so, it's exciting. 
Yeah. Well, it is right. When you find people that, uh, you know, connect to, to something that's important to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's always, uh, it's always a good feeling. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so thank you. Thanks for giving us that good feeling. <laughs> We've enjoyed meeting you. We enjoyed it too. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.